this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. And welcome to the 116th episode of Lake of Rage, a Pokemon trading card game podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Clementi, aka Mellow underscore Magikarp. I'm joined today by a very special temporary guest host joining us for, I think, the record number of times, or at least the record Ooh. number of times for like not the people who are on Carpe D's Rats, you know, the team that I'm working on for sure. Uh, we have the one and only James Arnold. James, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic today. I'm excited to talk about some Pokemon cards and have a good time. I'm excited, too. So there was a little bit of a like, OK, everyone's at Worlds right now. People want to hear about Worlds. Thank goodness Obsidian Flames came out and didn't. It wasn't a part of Worlds. So we have something to talk about. I was like, who can we talk to? And it was like, James, Like James yeah. is the perfect person for the world's announcements. So one of the things we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Aspects returning. We're going to talk about the ancient versus future mechanic and then the card I'm you've been tweeting excited. about. Have I tweeted about it? I didn't I didn't notice. I, is it it's some kind of bird? I don't know. It's bad from what I've heard. It's like really bad. I, I don't know. I'm really interested to see how it's going to pan out. I've heard it's completely unplayable. And I've heard Path of the Peak absolutely destroys the card and makes it worthless. So we're going to let you explain to us why Pidgeot is uh, not just good, but good beyond Charizard. Because myself yep. included, I've been, you know, I tweeted I tweeted a Charizard list. I spent six games on it because the PTCG live ladder kept breaking. And I was like, I'm just going to tweet this out because like everyone else is at Worlds. Like this is a good chance. That thing got so much traction and people got so upset too. just like this was a random throwaway tweet to gain yeah. a little bit of like engagement. And people were like, no, 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 this is what are you doing? Like this list is missing things like, bro, I spent three games on this thing. <laughs> It, it's always interesting. T t Twitter in general has been very, very interesting, both this weekend and just in general lately. But it's cool seeing the uh, the like breadth that people are like the amount of engagement that deck lists and the interest that people have in the current format and into the beginning of the season uh, we're really seeing. Because I mean, we saw the announcements about the season in general come out recently. Mm -hmm. We've had a lot of Pokemon news in general, and. I, I can feel the hype. I, I played in a League Cup over the weekend, had 64 players, like which, I mean, historically was not the size of League Cups, but that's been back-to-back -back weeks here. here. Um, and it's just been really cool to see everybody's excitement for the, the future of the game. So, James, I don't know why I didn't think about talking about this earlier. You're a Pokemon player. You're a regional champion. I want people to remember that. This is not just an old guy who yells at clouds. Like, James <laughs> is a regional champion, you know, has a lot of accomplishments in this game. You're also a Yu-Gi-Oh! casual. I don't know how competitive you are in Yu-Gi-Oh!, but I know I, you were the reason I started playing Duel Links at one point. You had streamed it, and I was like, this game seems fun. And it was it was very fun. It is different than regular Yu-Gi-Oh! The discourse on Twitter, shout out to JW for <laughs> sparking what is only the best. I am having so much fun reading comments. My phone, I'm trying to figure out a way to make my phone power my car because <laughs> Twitter is general for me has been wild over the last few days between the Yu-Gi-Oh discourse, the BGC discourse, uh, the, just all the world stuff, uh, everything in general. It's, it's been a pretty crazy weekend, but, but yeah, I mean, I played Yu-Gi-Oh 
I, I have not. I would not consider myself a competitive Yu-Gi-Oh player currently. I've not played like regionals within the last few years or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did win several regional championships in Yu-Gi-Oh during my time with Yu-Gi-Oh uh, throughout the mid two thousands until about twenty thirteen was the last time that I was like competing in Wait, Yu-Gi-Oh. Are you the mythical? The, where Yu-Gi-Oh people keep saying, find me a Pokemon player who's converted to Yu-Gi-Oh. And I keep thinking, like, I don't know any Pokemon players who have converted to Yu-Gi-Oh. Are you the mythical one who's, like, went to their game and actually did really well? I just did. I, I've played both. I, I wouldn't consider, like, I've not, like, won their biggest tournaments or anything or mm-hmm. anything crazy. But I, I have won multiple regional championships when you could win them. And then after they switched to where they just cut off at top eight, I've topped a whole lot of them. And while regional championships are a different size thing than our, what it means to us in, in our game. Gotcha. It still was like that. That was like the competition beyond like what our level of regionals is. So it's like, it's, it's differently sized, but at the same time, that's like one of the highest things that you can really strive to it, especially back in the day when you did not have the frequency of large events mm-hmm. that you have nowadays. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm also, I was talking to somebody on Twitter about this earlier today, Jay Hornung, I, uh, a very decorated Pokemon player, uh, multiple top fours at Worlds, much better at Pokemon than me. Uh, he top-aided uh, Nationals for Yu-Gi-Oh! in 2010. Uh, he's also played Yu-Gi-Oh! competitively. And then Sammy Sakum, another player that has multiple top-eight Worlds appearances throughout history, uh, has performed extremely well at European Yu-Gi-Oh! Nationals before. So I, I do believe that there's a lot of crossover between the games. I don't know currently Pokemon players that play current Yu-Gi-Oh, but I do know there was a lot of overlap within like the mid 2000s to the like 2014, 2015 that a lot of people did see results. So it, the, the conversation in general has been pretty interesting. Uh, and I think that everyone should just mostly focus on enjoying their game <laughs> rather than trying to decide what the other game should be like when these games are different for a reason and they provide different things to different people. So I, I, I've, i played, I still do play the, the current version of Yu-Gi-Oh. I logged into Duel Links again the other day because I just, I just can't quit. I just can't stop. It's, it's what live should be, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> that is a different conversation, but yeah, I, I enjoy Yu-Gi-Oh. I've enjoyed Yu-Gi-Oh my whole life since 2002 when it came out. Um, and I, I think that the, the main discourse on that should be, just mostly just be about enjoy the things that your game does. And if you want to try a different game, try a different game. I think that they all, and I, I mean, I played magic for years and years competitively as well, qualified for multiple regional championships in that game, did not win any because I was not as good at that game as I have been in the past at some of the others <laughs> I've played. But uh, I mean, every game has good things about it. And I think it's good that they are different. I think that's a good way to put it. Pokemon obviously has, of no other things, the ability to draw all the cards all the time is something that I've heard locally Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh! players who play Pokemon as well, like, this part is much more fun. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that a lot of it comes down to, in Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic, it's more about playing with what you're dealt because you have, historically, much less access to your deck to be able to construct specific boards. Yu-Gi-Oh! has kind of gone to a different place uh, within the last few years where that's more similar to our game, Mm -hmm. where you're able to, like, construct and do what you want to do. 
but it's just kind of different in that way. So a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic players look in, and they're like, you're drawing seven cards at a time. Like, you just discard your hand, draw seven, and then you just search your deck 14 times and get out five cards that you specifically want, and that's just crazy. And it's just like a differently scaled game because what you're doing is just a different thing, and you're interacting with your opponent in a different way than activating a trap card in response to something that your opponent's doing on your turn. One thing that I've been enjoying on, this is another aside, but whatever, it's my podcast. Uh, <laughs> you, so Yu-Gi-Oh's got some really good content creation. The Card Market, which is the European TCG player, essentially, right? Their mm-hmm. YouTube channel has some really good like Yu-Gi-Oh things where they take magic professionals, right? To come in and predict or say whether the Yu-Gi-Oh card was good or not. I thoroughly enjoy it too, because I like being able to try and predict with my very minimal Yu-Gi-Oh knowledge, but my general card game knowledge. and. Yeah. It's very interesting to see how frequently that is like, if this says draw a card, <laughs> that means it's really good. And just like in Pokemon, it's like rhyme, you know, so your opponent switches a Pokemon and draw three, maybe completely unplayable, unfortunately, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's something that where like, you can take a card in magic that says draw two, you can take a card in like divination, it's a three mana draw two, card is not playable whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You can take a draw two in Pokemon of build an extremely playable Pokemon card in the past, but nowhere near game-breaking. You can take a draw two in Yu-Gi-Oh! in Pot of Greed, and it has been banned for the last 18 years because it's too good to just straight draw two in that game because it's just, they're very different games, and what you're doing in those games is a very different thing. Uh, and, And I think that's what gets lost in most of these discussions, especially from the outside looking in, regardless of which side you're on, like whatever your game is, because a lot of Pokemon players don't understand Yu-Gi-Oh! A lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! players don't understand Pokemon, and and vice versa, and Magic in the middle there too. And I just think that each game, like the fact that Draw 2 has drastically different power levels in all three of those games Mm -hmm. is... A testament to just how different they are and and the ways that these card games are built so that you can find the one that you enjoy the most and it it's not a competition as much as it's made out to be a lot of the time it's they're all succeeding i don't know what to tell anyone whether you don't like Yu-Gi-Oh players or whatever Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, and Magic are not going anywhere anytime soon, despite what the internet will ever tell you. <laughs> so, I, I it, it, just play the game that you enjoy, that you find, and and I re- also recommend people to try out all of the different games. It, it's it's a lot of fun to to see, and I have always said. I played Yu-Gi-Oh! concurrently with Pokemon, so it wasn't exactly the same thing. Like, when I was competing in Yu-Gi-Oh!, it was alongside Pokemon. Because back then, you didn't have a schedule like you had for Pokemon now. You didn't have local league challenges and cups every weekend, or Mm -hmm. even year-round. You had cities from November through January, and then nothing, and then states in March... And then all five regional championships that happened that year happened on the same day. So you played in one per year. And then you had nothing until nationals in June or July, wherever it ended up. So I was able to play Pokemon, but then also play all these Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments throughout the year because it was just built differently. Mm -hmm. And I think that that... What I'm trying to say is when I played Magic... Playing Magic made me a better Pokemon player, 
and so I think that trying out these different games and getting a different perspective on how card games in general work can also be very helpful to understanding the game that you primarily do play. So if you are a Pokemon player, I, I mean, I don't. there's nothing wrong with learning how to play a different game and just seeing what's going on on the other side. Right on. So we're going to move on from the Yu-Gi-Oh! discussion, yep. though. I think that was, yep. if anything, the best point in the world is just play the game you enjoy. And there's nothing wrong with trying out other games. I still need to learn One Piece. I know I've got friends who listen to this who are like, come play One Piece with me. I'm, I'm going to get there, I promise. <laughs> but uh, we're going to talk about the world's announcements more than anything. Uh, Aspects were teased at us. They were shown like, hey, these things are going to return. For those who don't know, Aspects are you can play one of them in your deck, just like Radiant Pokemon, right? You can play one Radiant, period. You can play one Radiant Greninja, and it's a one-of. You can't play a Radiant Charizard and a Radiant Greninja. Shout out to myself trying to do that in the past. Does not work These in the same deck. These are broken. Yeah, that would, would be a very good deck. Lost Box with both of them? You never <laughs> <Yes>. lose. <laughs> but Aspects, the same idea, except in the past, they've all been trainer cards. Uh, tools and items specifically, since they're now separated from each other, right? So you can play one of them in a deck. When I started playing, I started playing in 2018. Aspects had rotated out of the standard format, but expanded format was still a thing. And one of my favorite formats. We're not going to rant about expanded, though. There were two choices for your deck. Yep. Computer search, discard two, search your deck for any card, and dowsing machine. Discard two, put a trainer card from your discard pile into your hand. There are other ones that exist. There's Dowsing Machine, and there's G-Booster, and there's Victory Piece, and there's Master Ball. You can't forget the Master Ball, right? No. None of these were playable, except occasionally uh, Life Do, which was when this Pokemon's knocked out, your opponent takes one less prize card, and you could use Sableye with Junk Hunt to get the Life Do back, and then your Sableye's worth zero prizes, and blah, blah, blah. Aspex, to me, seemed like a mediocre mechanic, because there were two good ones. One was better than the other two. I played a lot of Zoroark. I played a lot of Dowsing Machine because of that. And I still had a ton of people like, Dowsing Machine sucks. Play Computer Search. Still Team Dowsing Machine. All my Zoroark believers who are Team Dowsing Machine, I got your back. Don't worry. <laughs> Why are A-Specs returning a good thing? Is this true? Is my experience true? And probably a lot of our listeners who have started playing in the last five years, there were two playable A-Specs. Is that how they were in their whole life? Can you elaborate a little on the history of A-Specs? Were they actually good? Was it a good mechanic before? For sure. So to start off, I don't have any problems with... Well, I have problems with one A-Spec, but we'll get there because I've got them all pulled up here. And I'm not going to go through the super long intricacies of each one, but I've kind of got them separated into types here. Uh, like <laughs> you were saying, there were... Uh, and you already know the one that I hate. I do. But, uh, <laughs> you told that story on the last time you were on, and it's yeah. still so good. <laughs> yep, and then I tweeted about it recently, and so then when they announced that Aspects were coming back, I got very scared. I was still very scared. But, alas, we'll get there in a second. So, there were th basically three different camps of Aspects. There were just straight-up item cards. It was just, like, a singleton powerful item that you could play in your deck, and it was, like you said, Computer Search and Dowsing Machine. And even in Standard, those were the most popular ones to just be generic. They have the most generic effects. They're both extremely strong effects. Computer Search definitely was saw more play than Dowsing Machine, but you could play either, and it wasn't like a bad thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Then wait, so before the you move on item, from that, yeah. Oh, you're going to talk about Master Ball. 
Yeah. I don't know if Master Ball is ever playable when you get there. So go for it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So Master Ball was not ever playable. I'm not going to say that no one ever played it. Uh, Events were free back when Master Ball was out. So there was a lot less uh, like opportunity cost for playing fun, weird, bad things. Uh, So I have seen someone play a Master Ball before, but I've not seen someone win a tournament with a Master Ball before. (laughs) Um, then you had Gold Potion. Uh, Gold Potion said heal 90 damage from your active Pokemon. That did see a little bit of play in the Groudon EX deck, the Primal Groudon EX deck, mm-hmm. uh, just as a, an option to kind of displace damage because 90 damage back then was also a lot of damage. And that deck at the time wasn't particularly interested in getting anything out fast or recurring any of the cards that were in that format. So Gold Potion saw a little bit of play there. Can I add one uh, to Gold Potion that I'm remembering yeah. now that you mentioned it? This wasn't that long ago. This is when I played. It was Celesaur, and Rahul Reddy is the name who comes to mind, although I don't know if Rahul played it with other stuff, but top player privilege, he's the one I remember, right? And he played it in Celesaur, the Celebi Venusaur tag team deck, which was That's a very cool. big tanky deck. And I remember made day two with Gold Potion, and I was like, I didn't know this card existed. <laughs> yep, yeah, Gold Potion is like like that card... Like, you definitely saw it a significantly less amount of the time, but there were definitely spots, and that's kind of something that I'm interested in seeing is, are we going to just get generic ones that are so strong that you should just be playing the generic one? Mm -hmm. Or will we see these different ones that are kind of built for certain decks or lead you in certain directions that you're actually able to utilize? Because in that same camp, the other two just straight-up items that we saw were Scramble Switch and Scoop Up Cyclone. And both of those also saw some amount of fringe play during their tenure. Scramble Switch, infamously interesting with uh, the Pokemon that had the ancient traits that uh, you could not boss's orders or Lysander them up uh, from the bench. So you could attach energy to them and then move it to somebody else uh, when you were ready to, to go all in on something. So that... Those both were kind of more build around cards. Scoop up Cyclone basically just being a scoop up net, but you get all of the cards, so you get the the whole line and all the energy and everything, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very powerful effect as well. Especially in a day and age now where you have Pokemon that have so much three hundred plus HP, that that could be a cool effect to see again. Uh, but all of those items kind of just fell under the why are you not just playing computer search? <laughs> instead for the most part the other uh types that we saw were the generic uh tool cards and those were like you said life do and rock guard um i played rock guard at a regional championship and i regretted it but it did see some amount of uh of wins in its day mainly because of seismitoad ex mm-hmm. uh, Rock Guard says when you, t- you attach to your Pokemon and when that Pokemon takes damage, uh, you place six damage counters on the uh, Pokemon that attacked it. So that was a way to kind of uh, displace damage as well and was an interesting effect. Life Do was very playable. So there, there were decks, like you mentioned, Sableye. Uh, Life Do did see success competitively in Sableye decks. Mm-hmm. I believe that that was mostly more of a Sableye thing than it was a Life Do thing, ultimately. Uh, more speaking to the power level of, of Sableye, just being able to recycle it over and over again. Uh, however, that doesn't make Life Do a bad card, obviously. It's just Sableye was the enabler there more than it was Life Do being this fantastic, unreal card. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And but Life Two was definitely competitively viable and played uh, during the Sableye era. Uh, and then the other type that we saw, which is the type that I'm most interested to see moving into the new era of Ace Specs, which was tool cards that specifically mentioned like specific Pokemon mm -hmm. and gave them either certain traits or new attacks uh, in addition to what the cards normally had printed on them. And the most infamous of these was G-Booster, which you infamously used in the uh, Verizian Genesect deck that won, I believe it won Worlds at one point. It definitely got multiple top fours at Worlds across multiple years. Uh, one of the most powerful decks, I don't know if it's in top five anymore. Uh, you had so many decks Shout out to Mew. <laughs> yeah, Mew, Mew definitely making a name for itself even further than it's already had. But uh, Verizian Genesect definitely should be in the conversation as one of these extremely strong decks in its era, of, at least. And G-Booster was a huge part of that, giving your Genesect EX the ability to do a 200 damage attack, which at the time basically knocked out anything in the game. And so you saw G-Booster and G-Scope, which gave extra attacks to... It named, it named Genesect EX. Mm -hmm. uh, then you saw Crystal Wall and Crystal Edge, which could only be attached to white or black Curum and increase the amount of uh, damage that they did or HP that they had. Those were not playable, but again, I don't think it's necessarily their fault as much as it is white and black Curum weren't like, did not need them. Uh, Black Curum uh, saw play in Blastoise, and you would rather just be using Computer Search in that deck anyway. Uh, and then White Curum was not ever given a playable card, unfortunately. And then you had Victory Piece. Um, that was definitely a card that you could play in your deck and <laughs> ruin people's lives if you wanted. Uh, let your Victini EX not need energy in order to attack, which... Famously in eliminated me from the Kentucky State Championships 2014, where I went 0-4 without getting a turn. Uh, and it's a great quit story. The game and still, played but... Magic for like five <laughs> years, so that was pretty sick. Uh, thanks, Victini. Uh, fantastic, uh, fantastic job. But to to sum that up, it's basically those were the types of A specs we were given: generic items. Uh, generic tools and then like specific named pokemon tools and i do think that there's room for other types for us to see maybe we could see an aspec supporter maybe we could see uh specific things that uh we have not seen yet out of those categories but i definitely think that we will see these uh tools that give you uh, specific attacks. They even technical machines, since now we have those back in the game as well. Mm -hmm. uh, we could easily see an A-spec technical machine, but it's it's going to be interesting because regardless, you ran an A-spec in your deck. There, there's no reason not to. We do see certain decks now that don't run Radiant Pokemon, even though they are very powerful. We see a lot of decks, the top decks, do run a Radiant Pokemon of some kind, given the, the power of Greninja. But, but we end up with these really... awkward with Radiance, right? Where like Arctina, you play four yeah. path and no way to bump it. So your Radiant Pokemon does nothing. Mew, exactly. you know, Genesect needs Fusion Strike Pokemon. And there are none of those. And that doesn't really happen with trainer cards, right? Correct. Yeah, every deck runs items, at least so far. So uh, <laughs> I think as long as we get some type of strong generic A spec, you're going to be playing that card in your deck. 
That, however, is kind of why, like, we've seen a lot of excitement for A-Specs, and I'm excited to see where we go with them. A-Specs don't really excite me in general, because most of the time it's just like, okay, now I'm running 59 cards, mm-hmm. because why would I not have computer search for that? It's not really an exciting mechanic. I'm not upset about it. It doesn't, like, it's not a problematic thing, but it's just like, okay, like, that's cool. We get this, like, one powerful card that doesn't really, like, impact the board in a meaningful way beyond just, like, being a consistency boost for the game, like, once per game. Uh, it does excite me that it may make cards like we were talking about uh, Sableye in the past that kind of gave power to some of these cards just mm-hmm. by the nature of, like, recurring items. Maybe, like, Darkrai V-Star it could be cool, getting back some type of ace spec. The, there's other Pokemon, I'm sure, that could recur these ace specs, and maybe utilizing some type of effect over and over again could provide some really cool gameplay dynamics. Uh, but... Overall, I think A specs are cool. Uh, I'm excited mostly for like Arvin to be able to find. I, I made a tweet that I got way more traction than I thought uh, <laughs> this weekend, where I was just sitting there and I was like, "How cool is it going to be to Arvin for computer search?" Assuming they reprinted it, and for Seal Stone, and then just find two cards in my deck for my supporter. I think that's that. That's neat. Um, <laughs> neat but, is uh, definitely a word. I would say. A little too good from yeah, it. Uh, it's, uh, either way, either way, right? Yeah, I, I just I just like my boy Arvin. I just like my boy Arvin. So I I sit there and I was like, eh, that's neat. Um, but yeah, I mean, A-Specs are cool. Uh, let's see if they have any more depth to them or anything interesting. Maybe we get A-Specs that have team mechanics, which we also saw revealed. Um Maybe there's some tie-in there where you can get back a future A-spec over and over again or search out a future A-spec with certain cards. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, I mean, you obviously segued because you knew where we were going with it. I do what I can. I it, do what I can. It was beautiful. That's why we keep inviting you back. <laughs> so we had, you called it team mechanics. And for people who are like, that's not really, kind of. Uh, we'll get into the history of that a little bit. But we also announced ancient versus future Pokemon. And I want to shout out, I made a joke tweet where I just put uh, Sandy Shocks on top of Pikaram and said, this is the dream, right? And I was like, <laughs> most of us expect Paradox Pokemon. And everyone's like, we already have them. We have Iron Treads and the other one that I don't remember yeah. off the top of my head because I didn't play that version. Uh, and people, and you know, I was like, tusk. there we go. And it's like, no, we got the real Paradox Pokemon, not these Titan Pokemon. So we saw, oh my gosh, I'm not even remembering who it is. So let's open up the thing. It was Iron Moth and Iron Bundle and Screamtail. And they showed a bunch, Iron Valiant EX. They showed quite a few of them. And we have Ancient versus Future, which is very reminiscent of our not so long ago, Rapid Strike, Single Strike, and the other strike that shall not be named. So never again. <laughs> it's a very similar idea, but this is not new. Having 
two or apparently more, but most history has been like two specific named things and then support for them is not a new thing. So do you want to dive a little bit into instead of the ancient versus future, although I will say it's important. And I know you remember this when they showed Ultra Beasts, they showed Buzzwall GX and Guzzlord GX, the community all together said Buzzwall GX is unplayable trash, but the Guzzlord, the Guzzlord is so broken and meta defining and they might have broken the game with this and yep. boy was the community wrong just could not be more wrong buzzwool is one of the best cards from that whole block guzzler gx unplayable <laughs> that card is so bad yep. uh so for anyone looking at this and immediately saying iron valiant ex is so broken lost box is even better i hate this we don't know what the game's going to be like, so don't jump to conclusions quite yet. And that's why we're not going to dive too deep into what's been revealed and talk a little more about what we can expect based off of this quote unquote team mechanic. And I'll let you explain a little why you refer to it as a team mechanic as well. Sure. So uh, famously, uh, these have been I refer to them as team mechanics mainly because the modern era of them kind of started with Team Aqua and Team Magma and the Ruby Sapphire block. Uh, the A better word is probably just keywords, because it's basically just a keyword on a card that lets you interact with that card based on a card referencing that keyword, such as mm. like uh, Octillery. Uh, Octillery being able to search a Rapid Strike Pokemon from your deck once per turn, uh, which we've seen to great success. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, also like you were saying, and I know you're a big Picarom fan, so so just let me let me get there. Uh, okay. But I'm worried. I also I'm also now a Picarom fan. However, the moment at Worlds at Nashville Worlds when they revealed Picarom, I said specifically out loud. Unfortunately, wow, that looks completely unplayable. Uh, it's 240 HP and weak to Sledgehammer Buzzwool, mm -hmm. and it gives up three prizes a pokemon that gives up three prizes for my one energy buzzwool unplayable card and ha, i was very wrong and this was because... also before we had seen coco prism and yep. so it was also and, how are you getting Mountain. three lightnings on there that's impossible <laughs> and that, that's kind of where i was going where uh, uh your point of everyone's judging these cards uh good or bad and we have not seen any of the support for them mm -hmm. we've seen a few of the cards that are going to have these mechanics tied to them we've seen none of the support for them and like like you just were saying coco prism unbelievably powerful format defining card for multiple years mm -hmm. thunder mountain also all of a sudden you're looking at picarom and you're able to get those two energy to use the attack much more quickly than you would have imagined just by looking at the card Picarom with no context for what the format was going to be. And I've seen a lot of people on Twitter go, this is broken, this is unplayable, this is a, a garbage, and it's like, we have no idea yet. But to go more into the, the history of the, the keyword or team mechanics, mm -hmm. we've always had them in the fourth to fifth set of a block, even from the beginning of the game. In, in the beginning of the game, we saw uh, Dark Pokemon come out in the fourth set of the game with Team Rocket. 
those were kind of the first team mechanics and yeah this was not dark types also this was dark in the name of the pokemon correct yes yes i'm glad you mentioned that because i i definitely would have missed that but yes it was it was specifically dark golbat with the name like in the name and we saw the first cards that interacted with that. We saw the boss's way come out that was search your deck for a Pokemon with dark in the name. And that was the first time where I was like, this is cool. Like I, I like I, I wasn't good at the game. I was a child and very bad, but I saw that and I was like, this is like very cool to like do. Like I can build a dark deck. Mm-hmm. Like I can build like a certain type of deck. And, and I think that that's very good for the game in general to be able to not build the deck for you, which we've seen sometimes, but like more just lead you into these cards work together, find the best way to make them work for you today. And and I, I really like that because we saw Dark in set four and then in set five, we saw the original owner's Pokemon, all of the gym leader Pokemon. And at that time, a lot of those were hit or miss. Most of them did not get used in like an archetype Mm -hmm. more so it was just based on their strength or not in general we do see historically uh the boss's way get played to basically accelerate out dark vile plume uh which shuts down the game but uh (laughs) shout out to vile plume and many iterations Yeah, that, that was the that was the first time Bioplume decided that it didn't like your opponent playing the game, and the boss's way kind of facilitated that. So that's kind of like the first time that you got like a, a card interaction like that that kind of assisted that happening. But then Gen 2 only saw a few sets in general, so we didn't really have the same type of block structure that we have now. But then we got like the next block that we did was the first Nintendo block, which was uh, Ruby and Sapphire block which saw us with Team Aqua and Team Magma having their own set. And that was the first time they built a set specifically around these keyword mechanics. Mm -hmm. And Team Magma, upon release, everyone basically thought all of these decks are bad. Like, they're, they're, it's like a joke that, like, these cards reference each other. Like they're, like, not good. Why would you not just play, like, the good cards, like Blaziken? Like, why would you play these cards? The best but thing like, about really? you saying that, I don't know, because I know where this is going to go. Anyone who watched the world stream, I think it was the day one, <laughs> knows exactly that that opinion is incredibly incorrect if you watched Ethan versus Puka <laughs> on the yep. stream match. And, and that's 2004 is one of my favorite formats of all time because of that story of Team Magma, because Team Magma even won Japanese nationals that year. And it was still just panned by the United States in general as like, this is not a playable thing. Why would you play the kitty theme deck? Like, oh, my like gosh. Built, yeah, that, that was it. that was like. It's literally what happened. I mean, okay, this year's Worlds, the U.S. players did figure out Fusion Mew was good, but (laughs) Fusion Mew won Japanese Nationals. It was the same thing. Everyone's like, why does Japan keep letting this happen? They have no idea what's going on. And it's it's just so funny, 19 years later. (laughs) Yeah, and and at the time, we had kind of a similar thing. Uh, I don't know. I I don't have the Day 1 Worlds results up right now for, Mm -hmm. for this year, but... At the time, we had what was called the Grinder, the Last Chance Qualifier, where you could play in an event the day before Worlds, and then like a certain amount of people would qualify for Worlds. And so you got this tournament before the tournament, basically. And a lot of Japanese players came over in 2004 and dominated everybody with Team Magma in the Grinder. And everyone's like, I don't know what's happening. Like, <laughs> I don't understand. And 
they were able to see the synergy of these decks and, and be able to construct these boards and basically like have more consistent decks in a lot of ways than what a lot of the other decks were doing. And so maybe what you were lacking in raw power, you were making up for in the cards just inherently being built to work together. And that's kind of why I've always referred to it as the team mechanics, because 2004 in general was my one of my favorites, but like Team Magma has always been like this very special thing to me because that narrative in general is just so, so cool in the history of the game. Mm -hmm. And so anytime that they've revisited the, the team or these keywords, it's such a refreshing, like exciting time for me. Uh, we In Diamond and Pearl and Black and White, we didn't really see team mechanics early in the block. We saw them later in the block. They moved them to the ninth set, which... It's kind of like when we get our reset set nowadays. Like at the time, we got uh, tag teams in the. the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people listening to this are like, "That was the reset. Like that was the fun <laughs> bringing it we, down." We get we get like the four set uh, mini block within the twelve set block. Mm -hmm. uh, the last one we got were V stars. We got the four sets at the end of the block. We got V stars. Uh, before that was uh, tag teams. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm pro but, tag team. I, I we are saying before the pod, but I will state it in public. Pre ADPZ, it's important important caveat. I was a fan of those formats. I agree. I <laughs> I very much enjoyed a lot of the tag team stuff in general. I liked the concept of the uh, the tag call with the different uh, tag team supporters in general, and being able to build like a miniature engine with that. Oh, be still uh, my heart. <laughs> yep, and, and I, I just I loved Green's exploration with a lot of the tag teams, uh, both Picarom, Green's Picarom was one of my Players Cup decks, uh, and had a blast with that, and it's just unfortunately we saw he <laughs> kind of tarnish the name in general of tag teams, but that, that was kind of like the, the mini block at the end. A Heart Gold Soul Silver, another famous mini block at the end of the Diamond and Pearl block, where they do like this four set mini block that's still a part of the cohesive narrative, but kind of does things a little bit different before we start over with the new video game. Mm -hmm. But So that was kind of what we got with uh, Team Plasma in Gen 5 and then SP Pokemon in Gen 4. Uh, both very, very famous to, to anyone that has studied any amount of the history of the game. Uh, SPs, very dominant in their time, very much built to work together with an entire engine as far as uh, Cyrus's Conspiracy and Power Spray, the only trap card we've ever had in Pokemon. Uh, so for, because I know people who are active in the community on Twitter and stuff like that, they hear all the time, repent Power Spray. What, what exactly was Power Spray? Just, just a quick... Sure. So Power Spray said uh, you had to have three SP Pokemon in play in order to play the card. And when during your opponent's turn, when they would use an ability, you would play Power Spray and it would basically negate that ability. So if you were to uh, activate uh, Pidgeot, Pidgeot's Quick Search nowadays, uh, you would be... If I had three SP Pokemon in play, I could power spray it, and then you've used your quick search for turn, but you don't get to use the ability to search your deck for a card. And so it really allowed uh, SPs at the time to get ahead in the game early because you would like stunt your opponent from being able to build their board initially because they would be trying to utilize their abilities and things like that. And while you had a finite amount of power sprays to use in a game, 
which was part of the skill of the card of choosing whether to and when to use it. Mm -hmm. uh, you often wanted to use them early in order to kind of just like, all right, stop that your turn, and then I'll go ahead and take a turn and try and go up a prize. Or stop, like, stop what you're doing. Now, now I'll go ahead and take up a prize that I've got. I've secured a KO, and so it power spray just in general. I, I played with Power Spray a lot uh, during its time. I'm not the biggest Power Spray fan in general uh, of what it did to the game. I didn't like having to bluff having a Power Spray because you would have to sit there without a Power Spray in hand and your opponent would go to use an ability and you'd be like, okay, I'll allow that. You'd have to like take that second. And there's whole a whole lot of like mini games and mind games that you would have to play with it in general. So I didn't really like that aspect that it brought to Pokemon. Some people really want that aspect in Pokemon and they're not wrong. I just personally feel like the game, it's antithetical to how the rest of the game has always been built. Uh, so James, I have to point out, so you're going to get canceled very fast here. You have yeah. said, I enjoyed tag teams. And you've said, I don't like power spray for the game. And I'm, I'm sorry. You're, you're done for <laughs> it's at Wayne's over. games on Twitter. Go <laughs> ahead and cancel me. Uh, you know where to find me. I've got all the best takes of all time. Uh, <laughs> nothing to ever disagree with basically. So, uh, pro tag team, uh, not pro power spray. Let's fight on Twitter about it. Uh, James is uh, not joking either. Anyone listening to this who wants to like hear an elaborate why no power sprayer wants to, James will happily indulge you in an argument of why you like power spray, or I guess why you didn't like tag teams. <laughs> yeah, either way, I want to read just, the power spray one. So please bring those to him so I can read them. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, just just at me on Twitter and then I'll type up a book. Uh, <laughs> but those were kind of the the only like team ish or keyword mechanics that we got in those blocks until we saw with xy phantom forces we saw team flare and there wasn't a whole lot of stuff that interacted with team flare this is one of the ones that i would more consider a dud as far as the keyword in general goes mm -hmm. but they still provided some powerful cards uh head ringer was a an extremely powerful card that did see a lot of play especially at first uh, you would actually attach it to your opponent's Pokemon uh, to, to increase their attack costs. And so that was an interesting mechanic, but not really as much of a keyword or like team mechanic as you would see nowadays. Mm -hmm. Because then with Sun and Moon, we saw the Ultra Beasts. And this is kind of one where you only got the one keyword there. Uh, it was just Ultra Beasts. So everything that had that tag on the upper right, side of the card was an ultra beast you didn't really have the battling teams as much uh like we've had with team aqua team magma or single and rapid strike or what we're going to have with ancient and future so that one uh but you did see the power of the ultra beasts and decks that would specifically utilize cards that specifically stated ultra beasts i mean we saw so much beast ring uh which is basically mirage gate but only for ultra beasts uh, needed a little bit different of a condition, but it was just that version of uh, Mirage Gate for mm -hmm. those that didn't play back then. And you did see a lot of Ultra Beasts see play. You saw Blacephalon GX. You saw Buzzwool GX definitely at the top of that list. Uh, you saw even Zerkatree see play uh, in multiple control decks. Uh, 
There was a, or a one of Enrayquaza was definitely. I've gone back to play 2018 Worlds, and the one of Enrayquaza yeah. is so important for the Buzzgarb Shrine matchup. Yep. Yeah. It. It's just it. I, I think at the time people didn't like Ultra Beast mainly because of how insanely powerful B-String was. It, it was. I'm not going to argue that it wasn't too strong or whatever, but I, I did like the aspect of these cards are built in certain ways to be able to be played in certain ways, and that can kind of construct or lead you down a path to build different decks, because it mm -hmm. makes decks feel different rather than just playing the best cards because in a lot of formats where you don't have these differential keywords you end up with two or three decks they're just the most powerful like decks in general but you see with single strike especially at the beginning uh we saw uh houndoom we saw houndoom facilitate multiple archetypes gengar Vmax winning a regional at one point uh we saw uh, the Urshifu deck, uh, the single strike Urshifu deck, very, very strong for a, quite a long time in that format. We've seen even now Rapid Strike still a top contender. Uh, kind of wasn't for a very long time and then coming back into the fold uh, later in time. And that's kind of really interesting to see. Even though you saw things like Urshifu be able to be its own deck for a time and, and kind of utilize some of like the Rapid Strike energy but not really play much of a Rapid Strike deck. And then now you see like the entire Rapid Strike deck become its own thing. And I think that's been a really cool narrative to, to, to watch as well as the game has evolved. To go off the Urshifu, I do have to shout out one of the best setup attacks in the history of the game for how that deck worked. Keep calling being able to get out. That's such, such a good attack. I love that card. <laughs> Yeah, Sobble and I have a have a. I, I've got some beef with Sobble because <laughs> Sobble really, really likes to either prize a bunch of Sobbles or my my worst. Uh, uh, real quick, my worst Sobble story is even just last year at a regional, I kept calling and uh, I had started with a Starmie V and I had Sobble and Energy in hand and I was like, this is so sick. Uh, and so I benched my Sobble, attached to energy, retreated my Sparmy, sent up Sobble, and I kept calling. And I was like, this is like, I, this is a great set. I'm really like, this is going to be good. My opponent draws for turn and they go, oh, this is going to be good. And I was like, that's not good, actually. Whatever <laughs> you're thinking is not good, actually. Can you not? And they were able to, because I kept calling for the four Sobbles, they were able to set up a uh, boss up your Starmy V that you started with. Uh, bench Drapion, switch into it, and do 190 to your Stormy V, take two prizes, go into your Sobble turn, and... <laughs> Get wrecked. It's just, I, I was so excited, because it was the first time all day that I didn't have, like, two Sobbles prized. So I got all four out, and then they were like, oh, you got all four Sobbles out, huh? That's interesting. <laughs> Let me show you Drapion. This isn't just for me, it turns out. It's so good. But, uh, that's my little sideways about Sobble. Um, but, yeah, in general, all of these keyword mechanics kind of inform deck building in interesting ways. Some of them have been more duds than others. Some of them have worked more inherently with each other than others. Uh, I kind of glossed over it, but one of the more important ones was Team Plasma in Gen 5. Uh, that deck... Very dominant in its time. Uh, 
very, very strong performances in both national and world championships. That one also, its own keyword, not really like a, a fighting keyword or, or two different types of keywords. So not as similar to single and rapid strike and ancient and future as far as like different things going on. I'm interested to see with ancient and future, if we do get some interaction between the two mechanics, because I don't even know there might be a card. Someone definitely put in the comments if there is, or if you remember, uh, but I can't really think of a card that like is a single strike card that says if it does 50 damage, but it does a hundred if it's into a rapid strike. Ah, oh, into each other. Okay, darn. Yeah. I, I was like, I got you. Cause I was going to talk about the deoxys. That's all three and it does more damage. Okay. Different thing, <laughs> unfortunately. No, yeah, that is a different thing, but that is a cool thing. But I, I, I'm interested to see if we do get kind of a dueling aspect of like, this card does more damage if your opponent has two future Pokemon in play or vice versa. And I think that that's kind of a design space that could be really interesting moving into the mm -hmm. future of keywords. But yeah, I, I'm excited to see. I don't know the, the problem that I have with this being the keyword, and I don't know if they're going to expand on it or how this is going to go down, but there's only so many ancient and future Pokemon, mm -hmm. and they're all basic Pokemon. Yep. So I don't know exactly if this is going to be able to be stretched out across multiple sets like Single and Rapid Strike were and provide so many different types. Because with Single and Rapid Strike, you could just make any Pokemon a Single or Rapid Strike Pokemon that's in the set. You could play, use Octillery. You could use Houndoom. You could, to, to design these sets, it could be any Pokemon. could be other these. Mm -hmm. But you can't make ancient pikachu like that's not a thing in the video games there's only there's an so ancient mew ancient. could we use that there is, there is an ancient mew you're right actually that is very interesting we should get a reprint of ancient mew and uh make everyone be able to read it <laughs> but uh but yeah that's my only concern with ancient and future is i don't know if they're going to be able to go as in depth with it mm -hmm. but there were multiple cards that mentioned uh, like having an energy booster capsule attached. So I, I thought that was interesting because there was at least one of them that said that, which means that we're getting some type of interactive cards with these guaranteed. Uh, so it's not just going to be their own cards. I so, hadn't I'm, noticed this because I actually didn't read all of them, but I'm reading Brute Bonnet right now, which is an ancient yep. dark type Pokemon. And once during your turn, the ability... If this Pokemon has an ancient booster energy capsule attached, you may make both active Pokemon poisoned. Yep. Interesting catch. And so I, I'm I'm interested to see what that is going to be. Are there going to be more of those cards? Is there going to be multiple energy booster capsules? Energy booster capsule makes me think that it's going to be something similar to energy gain, which was one of the SP cards. It was a tool that said you could attach it to one of your SP Pokemon and all of their attacks cost colorless less. So, like, for instance, when looking at these cards, if something like that were to happen, multiple of these cards that people have deemed unplayable suddenly look a lot more playable. Yes. Like we were talking about at the beginning of this with Picarom having a shortened energy cost by the time that we actually got to play with it. We have a something named called Energy Booster Capsule. So, I, I don't know. I think that we've got some interesting things coming up, but... I'm just not sure how deep they're going to be able to go with it, given that there's spe only specific Pokemon that could have these tags. 
So I do want to, one thing that we'll see very soon is if the DLCs are going to give us more because the DLCs are going to, one of them, I guess, will come out before and the other one will probably come out after the set. But there's going to be, if there's four sets of this, we'll have at least two of the sets that will be after. And if the DLC is going to give us more because we've seen the giraffe Raikou, what is it? The the yep. long neck Raikou, right? That is very clearly going to be a past Pokemon, right? Yep. Like, yeah. Like we're just adding Bolt. more. Yeah. Yeah. We've got we've got Raging Bolt, and I don't know that I knew that one, but I don't know the name of the future Crobalion. But we've got that on the other side, so we do have some additional of these coming out. So, like you said, we should be able to see a good amount of these. Mm -hmm. I just I think we got three or four different sets full of rapid and single strike Pokemon that could also be evolved Pokemon and stuff. And so I, I don't know how this is going to shake down, but I am interested and I do think there's going to be plenty of stuff to, to do with this mechanic. So. Oh, I was going to say, and one thing that I really like, like we kind of went through that history of every single thing you talked about, really, there were some like exceptions to that, but most of those have some of the most meta defining things in the history of the game are some of the things that you mentioned in there. So for anyone wondering, like, what are they going to do with this? Like, if you look at those cards and you're like, this is a single prizer that's kind of mid, like, what is it possibly going to do? Let's wait, because some of the most broken stuff came out of this named mechanic, as you mentioned. Yep, and I mean, even in the EX era, not only did we see Team Aqua Magma, but we saw the the Team Rock Return set, which is one of the strongest sets of all time. Uh, so many of those cards built to work together. Mm -hmm. uh, Rocket Sneasel, the, the Rock Lock deck, the Drag Trode deck, there's so many famous decks that won so many tournaments, and like you said, are meta-defining and era-defining that are based on these mechanics, and it's, it's going to be interesting because I doubt that they're going to have this big of a reveal like this and then just have a dud as <laughs> far as, like, what this is. Uh, and, I mean, we've already seen based on... There's multiple of these cards that are super playable based on their own merit right now, assuming there's no other cards in these sets. I mean, Iron Valiant looks broken. Uh, it, being able... Potentially... I was going to say, didn't we just talk about not judging them too harshly right now? I, I don't I don't want to judge them harshly as far as being bad, but I do think that some of them just work so good on their own regardless that mm -hmm. they could be, like, very, very, very good. Because Iron Valiant being able to, to potentially donk your opponent by switching it out over and over again and placing those counters, and then your opponent started with a comfy, you play four switch cards, and then they lose the game before they get a turn. Uh, and then Screamtail in Gardevoir looks insane. Uh, being able to put all those Psychic Energy on it, uh, get a bunch of damage counters on it, and then be able to, to shoot the bench for 160 seems potentially insane. And then we've got the new tool that also is going to boost its HP by 100, so then you can shoot your opponent's bench for up to 360 if you're able to fill it with enough Psychic Energy. So I, I, I think that... It's too soon to call any of these cards bad, but there are a couple standouts that look already pretty good. So I think that Ancient and Future is going to have a, a, a pretty good future. On that note, let's talk about the future that is now here at the time of recording. Uh, we're recording this like hours before it goes out, really. <laughs> but 
you know, it's something you got to wait till the end of the results, right? You got to get the Sunday stuff in there. And anyway, Obsidian Flames. So it's been out. Yep. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Charizard, honestly. I've uh, tried Toad Scroll. Didn't feel good. Tried Glamora. I think there's something with Glamora, but I don't think Glamora is a deck. And other than that, uh, set doesn't seem great. I'll, if one of you wants to break the format, sick. I'm in. If Pittsburgh comes out here and Reverum is suddenly the broken deck, I'm all hands on deck. But uh, Charizard's good. That is the TLDR yep. on that one. James, have you noticed anything out of Obsidian Flames beyond Charizard good? Charizard's really good. Um, <laughs> okay, I really beyond like, Charizard. <laughs> I really like this one bird. Uh, I don't know. I've not seen a whole lot of talk about it. Pidgeot EX is broken. This card is absurd. I am very confident in saying that on camera, and no one will be able to convince me otherwise. Uh, this card not only is a callback to one of the strongest and era-defining cards in the history of the game, this card not only is able to utilize an effect that is specifically just one world's in Forest Seal Stone, except now you get to use it every turn. Uh, this card not only has free retreat and searches out cross switchers for you to be able to have a pivot on the bench in order to bring your thing up. This card not only uh, with its attack blows away the the card that primarily would counter it in mm -hmm. Path of the Peak and just blows the, the Path of the Peak out of the, the stratosphere. This card not only for a double turbo energy will get reduced down to 100 damage, making a 180 uh, damage Arceus attack, get a KO, a two-hit KO on a 280 HP V-Star by following up with a Pidgeot attack, should you, I don't know, Sharon's care either of these Pokemon... Pidgeot's insane, and it's going to fit into multiple decks and see a lot of standard play. I think one thing I want to add to Pidgeot is the attack discards a stadium, but it's also not a bad attack. I have been laddering with a lot of Charizard. I've almost exclusively been playing it with Pidgeot because, look, in the end, I can shove it in for a B-barrel if for some reason Path is a big deal or whatever. So I want to play with Pidgeot because it's very fun. The attack is good. The attack in a Lost Box, for example, like... They don't have anything that's going to realistically KO. Like, hey, they play the Raikou, but there's a lot of times where you're like, well, if you came with Raikou, I literally win the game because you played a two-prizer right now, right? So you're like, I'm just going to yep. pick off some of your comb fees. You know, I'm going to hit with Arceus. I'm going to retreat, collapse it away. I'm going to hit with Pidgeot. And it's like, all right, what, do you, what are you going to do? Are you going to play the two-prizer when I'm already ahead in prizes and lose the game? Or like, how, how are you dealing with this 280 HP thing that... It only needs to do 100 damage with a DTE. That's plenty to KO a Comfy or, you know, a Sableye or whatever. So the attack is also just good enough. It also two-shot stuff. There was one play that I don't know how often this is going to come up. Like my opponent had a v -star, uh, Giratina V-Star on the bench, bossed it up, hit with Arceus, they KO me, and then my Pidgeot finishes it off when they had no more Arceus on the bench. And it's like my Charizards are safely hiding away. You're not going to KO me because you can't because 2 inch HP and you didn't get another Tina down because Iona was also a very good card. It's a good attack and the fact that it splashes into any deck that it does is another really cool thing about this. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm super biased. I was on release. I was extremely excited for the card in general. I won my first Worlds Invitation with Pidgeot in 2005. Uh, I won my second Worlds Invitation in 2006 with Pidgeot <laughs> once again. Uh, 
I have loved this card in general and what it does both for the game and for deck building. We've seen now multiple cards that directly are callbacks to the EX era, which is when stage twos were at their most dominant. Mm -hmm. We've seen the spiritual reprint of Rocket's Admin with Iono, letting people uh, come back from uh, going down a few prizes to really kind of disrupt your opponent. Guard of War taking second place with Iono this weekend. Uh, we've seen uh, Reversal Energy being the spiritual reprint to Scramble Energy and allowing these Stage 2 decks a powerful tool in order to, again, offset their speed uh, deficit in order uh, comparatively to the rest of these cards. And now we see Pidgeot, which is not only in some decks a reason to play Rare Candy, but in any deck that was already interested in playing Rare Candy... This is the card that is going to make your deck tick. Uh, like we've seen already with, like you've mentioned, Charizard is going to be play a playable deck simply because Pidgeot exists. You're able to get that one card to be able to complete this your Stage 2 train over and over again as the game goes on. They're often that one card away, and just having that Pokemon on the bench, a 280 HP, two-prize Pokemon be able to, to facilitate that level of consistency is so insane. Find those rare candies out of your deck for you. Find what you need every single turn. It's not only a consistency booster, but it also allows for something we haven't really seen in at least a few years, which is the power of one of cards, which is something that when it was legal was a massive part of deck building. Mm -hmm. And when we saw something like Versus Seeker in the format during its era, uh, you saw multiple people playing one of supporters for specific situations because you're able to just Ultra Ball or uh, Professor Juniper them away and then get them out on the specific turn. Well, Pidgeot is extremely similar in that capacity because you can play a very situational card in your deck and... You don't have to worry about naturally having it or holding on to it in a format of Ionos for that specific turn. You can just go find it. So if you know that there's going to be a specific situation in a certain matchup or just in general for decks, you're going to be able to pluck cards that normally aren't easily found, like item specific items, like uh I don't, well, I don't even know off the top of my head, but I've been just loving cross-switcher in general and yeah. interaction with Pidgeot. You've been able, to, which is a more situational card and only has really been able to be seen in decks that could search out those items like Irida. Um, but now you could potentially play cross-switcher in other decks simply because you're able to complete that combo over and over again. Uh, we, you can see things like a one-of reversal energy in a deck because you're now able to just get it out on the turn that you need it out uh and special energy historically not searchable uh by most cards but you're able to just pluck that out of your deck and then be able to put it down and play and i think that we could see a lot of situational supporters mainly see more and more play like sharon's care sharon's care has seen a lot of play in general but it's not really a card that feels good in most decks to run a high count of. Mm -hmm. But now you can just play that one for that one turn with your Arceus or to pick up Pidgeot itself in a lot of cases and be able to just really offset and take tempo in a game with a one-of card that you can 
just find what exactly when you need it. It's kind of like, as you're mentioning this, you gave the exact example of shady dealings where, you know, you can grab your Sharon's care, whatever you need, and you're good to go. That was a massive amount of deck space. That was by the end, it was a 4-3-2 line. And you had to play level ball, even if you didn't want to, because you had to find your Sobbles and Drizziles and etc. Now, obviously, you could use multiple a turn, blah, blah, blah. But that was a massive amount of deck space so that you could search out your one of Roxanne or whatever you're trying to grab. Right. So if you're like, oh, do I really want to play a 101 line with one rare candy? It's like, well, that's three deck spaces to get that one of card to have a Drizzile or better technically every single turn. Right. Like you can grab. The Luxury Reversal Energy, that still exists. Let's not forget yep. that is a single prize that does 180 damage and benches itself. Heckin' good card. Uh, this grabs that Reversal Energy and Ultra Ball grabs your Luxury, right? Or any other thing that exists, right? Zoro Box, I don't know, put a Pidgeotto and a Pidgeot line in there. Something, I don't, I don't know what people are going to do with this. That's why you're on here and I'm not a deck builder. But you have success with this idea of pluck any tech card you want very recently with something that everyone wanted banned because they hated Drizzile so much. Love Drizzile. Big fan. So why would Pidget C play? Because it was literally so broken as an engine with shady dealings that everyone wanted it that, yes, this is weaker. You can't go evolve to Inteleon, scoop up net, evolve to Inteleon, and grab your whole deck. But it's not a lot of deck space to get there. Especially if you're already playing Rare Candy. We mm-hmm. see, like, Baxcalibur has been not at the top of the standings, but has been a powerful deck that, like, especially locally, you need to be aware of. Like, that's not, like, a joke deck. Like, Chin Pao Baxcalibur is a very good deck overall. It's on a different level now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it be, Its consistency has increased so much with the addition of Pidgeot that you're able to complete these massive turns so much easier. You're able to find the superior energy retrieval when you need it. You're able to find those switch cards to be able to bounce those chin pals back and forth and it's i'm not gonna say that you're gonna play pidgeot in every deck by any stretch of the imagination of course you're not but any deck that is already running rare candy outside of potentially gardevoir because of the draw power that that already inherently has and the amount of deck space that deck already doesn't have unless Grab your reversal energy. I mean, I'm I'm all about Pidgeot. I, I, you, like you had mentioned with Luxray, I may or may not have already played a Luxray and a reversal energy in my Pidgeot deck and then cross-switchered to send up my Luxray to KO their Pidgeot. <laughs> it's really sick. It's so sick. Everybody. You were the it's only so person cool. who called your deck a Pidgeot deck. Like... <laughs> there's no other attacker you're literally just like i'm just gonna search out anything and that's what i'm getting i i've been playing so much just arceus pidgeot and then a bunch of sharon's cares dunsparce gives both of them no weakness so then you don't have to worry about anything uh you have to worry about some things but you know what i mean yeah Uh, but yeah it's been so much fun and we're just at the tip of the iceberg with it uh, we get a pidgey that has call for family once pokemon 151 comes out so that's a, while it has 50 HP and there's definitely problems associated with that, that has already come out in Japan and people have been playing sometimes the 60 HP one, but sometimes the consistency boosting 50 HP one. Um, and like in that same realm, 60 HP for Pidgey is definitely not optimal. Uh, Sableye, obviously still a very, very powerful card at the top of the ranks. However, 
you're trying to do this Pidgey thing. I, 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 I don't want to say argued, but I've gone back and forth with one of my closest friends he, who has been on Bax Caliber basically since it came out. Mm-hmm. And they, I have been fighting for the 70 HP Frigibax for so long because I'm like, you're just going to lose the Sableye. And they're like, I lose the Sableye if my Bax Calibers aren't immediately evolved anyway. And they're That's not sableying me on turn one. So why would I play the two retreat one instead of the one retreat one? And just I'm going to rare candy my Excaliburs on my second turn by the time that they're able to sableye anyway. And I was like, at first I was like, nah, that ain't real. You're just going to die to sableye. Yeah. But after watching him play, and I've watched a lot of other people move to the 60 HP one as well, uh, I really do think that just having 60 HP for Pidgey for a Pokemon that you're planning on evolving immediately is not an unplayability sentence like mm-hmm. a lot of people have thought. Agree with that completely. As I said, I played a lot of Charizard and you say what you want about the live ladder. I am hitting those decks. I'm hitting a lot of Sableye decks and that's the exact logic of I'm never going to fill my bench. I'm never going to have three Charmanders, two Pidgeys on turn one. I'm never going to want yeah. to. But... And when I'm on a bench, I need to evolve ASAP. Otherwise, my deck doesn't exist. So it's that same logic of like, is it the end of the world? No, because I need to turn to Pidgey or what is it called? Pidget, Starbirth for it. And then you quick search for the Charizard piece. And then you're like, all right, you can Sable. I like that's a prize and six damage counter somewhere else. Not the end of the world. And of course, will Echoing Horn start to find its way as a staple into Lost Box? It probably should. <laughs> For Lost Box yeah. players, that seems like a logical choice because there's going to be a Charmander in the discard or whatever. But yeah, that's the exact logic that works with Charizard as well. Of like, If I'm not getting them out on turn two, I'm probably losing anyway because my deck's not doing the thing. So like he's, it's not a huge deal because you're pulled off the turn one Sableye once and it was glorious, but it is it incredibly rare. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I've definitely seen it happen, uh, usually across from me, but it's not it's not a common enough thing to where it's like, well, you can't play the card because it only has a 60 HP basic. It's just completely unplayable forever. Uh, it was just not the case. And I also don't think that right now Sableye even has the meta share that would make that unplayable in general. So while I do, th- I'm not saying anything bad, Sableye people, don't, don't fight me over this one. I'm not saying anything bad. I just think there's enough decks in the format where like a deck losing to Lost Box right now is not the end of the world anyway. So you're saying I can play Zoroark? I did not say that. I good. You shouldn't. That deck. It's so close. It's so close, but it's just not good. It doesn't even beat the other decks. That's the biggest problem. I believe me. I want. I have wanted that Zoroark to be playable since it came out. I think that it's very, very cool. Uh, it just doesn't have it. Like, there's so many inherent problems with what that deck is trying to do in general. Maybe we see a card like. I don't want to say that. I don't want to speak that into existence. I was going to say, maybe we see a card like Battle Compressor. Oh, no. Please, no. It's playable. But that's kind of the problem. A card that powerful is not going to make Zoroark playable. It's just going to make other decks beat Zoroark faster. So yeah. I, I was like, I don't know. Like I, I don't even know what that deck would need to be able to make it at this point. Because it's been given a lot of tools that make very, very cool plays. But I don't know. So before we sign off, has there ever been... Been, I don't know how much of a cube person you are, so you might be the wrong person to ask. Has there ever been a card that is so staple for cube? Phantom Transformation Zorark found its way in every cube that people also thought was good in standard 
and was unplayable. Like we've seen good cube cards that are very clearly bad and standard, but this is one that is both a cube staple because it's a really good ability for cube, right? Because you play one ofs and blah, blah, blah. But people in standard still also think it's good. <laughs> I'm trying to think because there's definitely cards that fit that bill, mm-hmm. but I'm not the like you're saying i'm not the cube person i've not cubed a whole bunch so i don't have like cube knowledge in my brain to pull from specifically but i there's definitely someone in the comments please let us know because there's definitely cards that fit the exact description that you've said where i've seen people get so excited over them being in cube and but it's never like there's they've never been playable in any constructed format so I, I'm interested to see what that what fits that bill. James, thank you so much for joining us, sharing all of your knowledge. And as always, if you're like, why are we doing history? Because the Pokemon trading card game history repeats itself and real life. But there's a lot to learn from knowing how this stuff has happened in the past and what to believe moving forward. James, if the people want more from you, where can they find you and any shout outs you might have? All right, so uh, I did kind of uh, say on the last time that I was here that I might be streaming soon. And you lied. I did not. (laughs) I did lie. However, (laughs) I'm not going to lie this time. I'm actually going live. I've been uh, doing, I I was going to make the announcement and and then this happened. So I made the announcement now. I'm going live within the next week. I will be live. You can already see proof of that by going to twitch.tv slash TV. You can see Grimace emotes have been uploaded. You can see there's a lot of Grimace-themed things on the the Twitch page. Also, I'm going to be uploading a YouTube video within the next two weeks. YouTube.com slash at TV. I have seven subscribers. You could be the eighth. So let's go ahead and see if we can get that all the way up to nine subscribers uh, by the time that I release my first YouTube video. I've been loving playing the Pokemon trading card game again. I have, I don't know what the future holds for my competitive play this season. I can't promise that I'm going for a world's invite or anything like that, but I'm loving playing the game right now. PDCG live is just playable enough for me to not throw my monitor across the room at the moment. Knock on wood, please knock on wood. But, uh, so I'm going to be uploading some, uh, Pokemon TCG content for sure. And then I'm also radical red 4.0 came out and you know how I feel about that. So We've got some nuzlocking to do as well. So if you want some some more of me, twitch.tv slash TV, youtube.com slash at TV, or at Games on Twitter. You can find me fighting with your local Joe about whatever they're wrong about seven days a week. If y'all want James back, be sure to get him up to 10 YouTube subscribers. <laughs> if we get him to 10, I'll invite him back in the future. Yes, let's go. <laughs> Myself, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Mellow underscore Magikarp. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and review the show. You know, do the stuff, right? The call to action. I, it is so appreciated if you do. If you're on Spotify, leave a little, whatever amount of stars you want to. It helps. I, I like five personally, but I cannot tell you that's against terms of service. I think five is a good number. I just, in general, I think five generically is a great number. <laughs> I, I don't know. This many? This many is pretty good. It's a great number. <laughs> this has been an episode of the Lake of Rage podcast. We'll catch you all next week.